is when we quite literally feel the other person's emotions right alongside them as, as if we have caught that emotion. Though we may sometimes feel more connected with a person if they feel the same feelings we do, does it mean we aren't truly empathizing if we don't feel the same way they do? I've observed in myself and through other people that we respond to others in one of seven different ways. I like to describe them as listening characters. Perhaps these characters will remind you of a time when you didn't feel heard. Or maybe you may even see yourself as one of these characters. The first one is the storyteller. We all know this person. The minute you share your story, they truly believe they are being empathetic when they respond by sharing their experience or tell their story. But too often when this happens, we may not feel hurt because it seems as though our experience has turned into being about them. Second one is the advisor. As you share your story, the advisor is quick to jump in and tell you how you should respond or what you should do, or even better, what they would do if it were them. Advice being offered could come across to you as being opinionated or somebody who's a know-it-all. If you're giving your opinion, we don't feel heard. Third is the judge. The judge makes blanket statements such as, all men are jerks, or platitudes like, everyone has problems. We may not feel heard when someone dismisses our experiences to a cliche. The fourth character is the intruder. As you experience, share your experience, the intruder talks over you or interrupts. They are quick to jump to conclusions without hearing the details. Obviously, we don't feel heard when we can't finish our story. Number five is the problem solver. The problem solver doesn't give advice. They simply want the problem to go away. A lot of times, a problem solver is an impatient person because they want to jump to a quick solution. Oftentimes, when a person problem solves, we feel like they may be trying to control our response, and this doesn't make us feel safe. This makes us want to stop sharing. Six, the teacher. The teacher believes life is a lesson, and whatever you are experiencing is a teachable moment. Although there is certainly truth coming from this character, we may feel like we're being corrected when we're being taught. And lastly, number seven is the passerby. The passerby assures you they are listening, but are actually trying to accomplish two or three things at once. They may be cooking dinner or checking their text messages, but promise you they are listening. Obviously, we don't feel heard if you are preoccupied. As we went through this list of characters, I'm sure you might feel like you are the worst listener alive. Trust me, I'm guilty of every single one of them. Of course, it's not that you never offer advice, teach, problem solve, or share your story. A lot of times, it's just a matter of when. Others feel more heard when at first you hear them out and then reflect back what you heard. Or wait until you ask a question. It's all about timing and that feeling of validation.
Validation does come out of truly hearing another's experiences. Validation doesn't mean we approve or condone or even feel the other person's experience. But here's an important truth I want to mention about validation. One of God's divine establishment principles is the concept of free will. This means everyone has a right to their perspective regarding their experiences. However, we have to be careful that we don't live with the expect expectation that others aren't listening just because they may not agree with our perspective. Validation doesn't offer agreement. Validation simply acknowledges the basic human right for that person to have their perspective. So what are ways we can acknowledge others so they do feel heard? Here's a few different strategies to consider when listening. Presence. When you are presence, this means physically, spatially, emotionally, you tell us we have value and that our experience is worthy of notice. Body language. We feel heard and notice when you pick up on our body language. You can often tell more about a person by their body language than what they actually say. We can also feel unheard when our body language doesn't reflect listening. Reflection. This is validation at its finest. When someone shares something with you, then by all means, when you sense they are Dan, respond by reflecting back what they said. It may be in different words, but the key is to highlight what you've heard. If you're not sure you understand, either ask by asking questions or offer a gesture. Questions. Is it really okay to ask questions? Yes, but it might be helpful to ask if it's okay first. Asking clarifying questions can be helpful, especially if that person is having trouble communicating their experience. Not all of us can easily communicate what we're experiencing because we may actually be talking about it to help us figure it out. However, if you do ask too many questions, it may put us on the defensive. Gestures. I vividly remember an encounter I had when I was going through my divorce. At the time, I was emotionally exhausted. I didn't and couldn't say much. I was just sad. One evening, I walked into my life group and collapsed on the couch. Without saying a word, one of the women in our group came and sat on the couch next to me and began to slowly stroke my hair. That gesture was one of the most meaningful gestures I've ever received. I felt cared for and loved. I felt like this was part of being present. So go ahead and get us Kleenex because we're crying or a glass of water if we are coughing. A gesture isn't a gesture if we talk about it. And finally, there's mercy. As believers in Jesus Christ, the most important way we can listen is through the eyes of mercy. It doesn't matter what is being shared, even if it's a bad choice made or choices that directly affect us. Remember, we're all so clo close to falling. Science also confirms that religious beliefs 
And a loving, stable community can be very healing and have psychological benefits. Even to have the chance to say everything out loud to a real person who is actively listening could be all the therapy we need. So what do we do if our family and friends don't want or don't know how to listen? Or you feel unheard even by members of your life group? Bessel van der Kolkata, MD, makes a powerful point in his book, The Body Keeps Score, when he writes, Talking about painful events doesn't necessarily establish community, often quite the contrary. Families and organizations may reject members who air their dirty laundry. Friends and family can lose patience with people who get stuck in their grief or hurt. Obviously, there are many issues we face that can't be resolved simply by talking about them. Sometimes we have to go further. We have to join a support group, find a mentor, or seek counseling. It's interesting to note that four in 10 American adults have seen a counselor at some point in their lives. And the statistics aren't much different for Christians as one of three acknowledge seeking treatment. Obviously, there are times when what we are experiencing, like a huge loss or a life-changing event like divorce or grief that needs more one-on-one -on -one attention. Perhaps we shouldn't place that level of responsibility onto our loved ones or even our church community. There are many trained professional counselors and lay counselors in the church who can meet that need. Seek it out if you feel like you're continually not being heard. Also, I really can't talk about listening without bringing up an important point. Just what is it we're really asking others to listen to? Complaints? Gossip? Woe is me stories? What about venting? During one season of my life, I held an intense job which demanded 60 hours of my life each week or more. My work-life balance was way off and I find myself irritable and having an intense need to vent. Naturally, my husband was the one who got to hear my ramblings, and though he was very patient with me, it never seemed like it was enough. I always had more to say. My awareness of my need to vent increased during this time. You see, my husband and I were working in different cities during the week, and then we would come together on the weekend. After months of this kind of schedule, I began to recognize a destructive pattern. Much of our time together was spent with me, him listening to me vent. God gently showed me that this was not a good use of our time together. So the next Friday when he arrived and settled in, it was our time to reconnect. As was the pattern, I started filling him in on the details of my work life. This time, however, I was determined it was going to be different. So I pulled out a timer and set it for 20 minutes. The goal was to allow myself to vent about work for only 20 minutes. Once the timer went off, it was time for me to stop. Of course, I thought 20 minutes would cover it, but I quickly realized this was definitely harder than I thought. I still finished my sentence and stopped. As the weekend went on, I found myself wanting to vent again, but the deal was I wasn't gonna be able to do that. So instead of saying anything to him, I decided I need I vented to God. 
This is what the scriptures describe as lamenting, where we express regret or disappointment over something considered unsatisfactory, unreasonable, unfair. In fact, I discovered there is an entire book of the Bible, Lamentations, dedicated strictly to lamenting. And of course, the Psalms are full of David's laments. Some even describe lamenting as a form of worship. This exercise taught me so much. How to discipline my thoughts, be more clear about what I needed to share, and pick my battles. Most importantly, it helped me realize that God is actually the best person to vent to. He's with me 24-7 and intimately knows all the details. I am certainly blessed with a husband who's a good listener, but honestly, God listens the best. And he has the power to do something about our laments. He is always listening to his children. Jeremiah 33.3 states, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Psalm 18.6 tells us, In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. So, you see, God sees the thoughts and the intents of my heart and knows my every motive. But he also wants me to dwell on good things instead of things I can't control. Philippians 4.18 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. I'd like to finish with a story. It was a beautiful sunny afternoon, and I wanted to take my dog for a walk. As I approached the local park, I noticed once again that someone had parked their car close to the entrance. How inconsiderate, I thought. There was barely room for other cars to pass. What gives them the right to park there? I couldn't believe they would inconvenience the rest of us. For some reason, I was so bothered by this, I even peeked inside the car looking for clues to who this person could possibly be. And I even found myself mentioning the rudeness of the person, this person to others at the park. You know, venting. On this particular afternoon, there was an elderly woman walking with a cane. I had seen her frequently on the trails with her little dog. As she walked to a park bench to sit, I noticed that her dog wasn't with her. I wasn't sure what was wrong besides her obvious ailments and age. So as I walked past her, I stopped to let her pet my dog and asked her where her dog was. Tears immediately came down her face as she explained that her dog had died. That dog meant everything to her. It was all she had left to love. Well, you guessed it. Her car was that car. Of course, I felt awful because I judged her out of ignorance. But I also learned that we don't truly know the hurts others' experiences and are quick to make assumptions without truly listening. I hope that when I'm old and feeble, and taking my beloved dog to the park, 
that others will understand why I park so close to the entrance. So when all is said and done, what we're really talking about here is mercy. You see, mercy sends the message that we are all equal, that we all mess up, and that we all have problems and need to vent. We struggle in this life, but mercy also gives others the benefit of the doubt. It reminds us that hurt people hurt people. And if we view mercy as a gateway to true listening, we may just offer others the validation they need. May God have mercy on us all. Next time on The Notice, I'm happy to welcome Bob Wessels, pastor of Care Ministries at Trinity Church in Lansing, Michigan. We discuss how God noticed Bob through transitions, jobs, divorce, death, and how this all led to his current role. If you are experiencing some underlying issues in your faith and want to be encouraged to see how God takes notice, you want to join us for this two-part episode.